Welcome to this episode of James Bond and Friends. Uh, James Bond can't be with us today as he's on assignment, so I'm your fill-in host, James Page from MI6. And today I have with me Calvin Dyson, Mark O'Connell, and David Lee. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Yes, well, I'm Calvin, and uh, it, my Bond qualifications go so far as I have a YouTube channel where I try to make humorous uh, and review videos about the series. Uh, you can find me on YouTube if you just search my name, Calvin Dyson. Hi, and I'm Mark O'Connell. I'm a writer, author, and Bond fan. That is on my passport. And uh, I, I'm the author of Catching Bullets, Memoirs of a Bond Fan, which uh, a lot of people are familiar with. And I'm, I, I love writing about Bond, talking about Bond, and I'm really glad to be here tonight. Hi there, and I'm David Lee. I run the James Bond dossier, jamesbonddossier.com. If you don't know that, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's W7 Dossier, and I'm also author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond. All right, guys. So um, in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about Bond 25 news, which will probably, like Taylor Swift, uh, date horribly. Um, <laughs> <about a week. laughs> so, um, first off, um, we had, you know, uh, a little leak of a supposed working title uh, during the week which was Eclipse, which may or may not even be a real working title. But what were your guys' thoughts about that? I think I might be the only person in the world who actually quite liked it and hoped that the final film would be called that. Uh, well, or, or rather, I was really liking it until someone, I read somewhere on Twitter, someone made the very good point that one of the Twilight films is uh, called Eclipse. Yes. So, yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen on that basis. At best, it is a working title. I would even question that. Um, uh, I, I, it's a curious title. I, I don't think it's going to be remotely the title at all. It sort of slightly sounds like a, a shampoo. Um, and um, <laughs> there's, it's, it's been everywhere else. You know, it's been logged and traded everywhere else. I, I, I just, you know, if, if it was the Eclipse Ellipsis, now we're talking. But um, I... I wonder very much if that, if it's just the Blue Harvest, because these things have to be locked down and crews have to, you know, the logistics and crewing up has to be done. So sometimes a title other than B25 is necessary. And also these films have used early titles before just to sort of get the admin and the, and the uh, production momentum going, but with no intention of it ever being the final title. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Mark. I, I don't believe a word of it. Um, if, if it actually happened, well... Yeah, um, it doesn't sound much of a, a Bond title to me at the moment, but you know, uh, if if they actually produced it with that with that name, uh, then we'd get used to it pretty quickly, and uh, you know, maybe we'd all like it as well. So uh, I, I don't. It doesn't really mean anything. I think I was liking more of what it was uh, connotating, like eclipse. It makes me think of space. <laughs> and, uh, you and your space, Calvin. I <laughs> love Daniel Craig's Bond in space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking of like all the, the I, often when I see a Bond title or think of a Bond title, or, or the first thing I naturally do is like, how will this rhyme? How will we get a song out of it? And I'm like, right. it's it's like an eclipse on the lips. You know, it could it could oh. work, but um, or eclipse service. You know, it could be. A trick. I would put a little bond dollar or three on this to say uh, eclipse will, will go nowhere near the the next james bond movie mm. is it perhaps if it is a, a, a working title that they did actually choose just as a temporary placeholder and it will have nothing to do with the film but is there a meaning behind the choice perhaps well it sounds sort of mysterious and vague and sort of there's a I don't know it's, there's Bond loves his elements and his stars and moons and diamonds and minerals so the eclipse slightly falls into that bracket um, I just yes I just can't imagine Daniel Craig's final Bond film being named after a shampoo <laughs> <laughs> it depends how much they uh, pay for sponsorship though <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah, we'll just call it Daniel Craig in wash and go um, no it's I I imagine it's not going to be a single-worded title as well. I think possibly it's got more words in it than that, but um, we shall see. You see, possibly. Have you heard anything? I imagine it's not called Shatterhand, yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
or doing anything else on her hand to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I like, I quite like Shatan. I know you guys have spoken about it recently, but I, I, I like it. Obviously, it's got the Fleming and Bondish. It's a jagged, blunt title. Uh, and would could potentially look good on a logo, but to be fair, the Shatterhand rumor was eight years old, ages old. That's that comes yep. up like property mm. lady. It's and these things seem to stick. And when the Shatterhand, I mean, there's really lazy journalism at the best of times. But when idle tweets get picked up by national press, and then mm. the, the ball, seems, a, yeah, the ball don't just don't get us started. Rolls. Don't it's get us started. It's just <laughs> such sloppy journalism. Um, I've, I've actually thought I might just come up with the title and put it out there and just see what happens. Because yeah, think, that, that, that idea's yeah. crossed my mind as well. Because I mean, there's so much. Bu- uh, uh, bullshit in in the in the UK media about bond titles. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great indicator of the the lure and attraction of Bond. You know, if you put James Bond something something revealed, it's gonna you know get clickbait. That's why people do it. But it's just we'll all look back at this. You know, there's been lots of titles of other Bonds. You know, World Is Not Enough had Electra when it was crewing up, and there was sort of press rumours, and then. I don't know if Calvin remembers, but there was this, and David might, but, uh, but there was this whole Beyond the Ice and Aquatore oh, yes. oh, yeah. and Avatar. And the, if you if you put them in online, it's just hilarious to see how everyone just projects and comes up with, oh, it's going to be about this and it's going to be about this, you know, and it, and it won't be about that. And it, it won't be about the other either. Hmm. So if all four of us on one day tweeted, we've heard the title is, and we made something <laughs> up collectively. <laughs> Yeah, that would be funny. That would that would be a terrible thing to do, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah, yeah. But it would. Do you know what? It would. It'd be like one of those sort of social media experiments. Um, I, I I keep thinking I like Skyfall two back to the chapel. I I, I, I think we're going to do that or a view to a kill again. You know, just something like that. But none of these are actually going to happen. That's also what you've got to keep doing because you can't even be silly with it because people just go with the silly sometimes as well. We've got April well, the first coming up soon. Yes. Mm. Well, what if we were cleverer than that and it was an, actually an anagram for like dumb journo or something? <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. All right. As we will go to anagram generators. Halfway <laughs> here. It's a challenge to our listenership to come up with a clever anagram mm. or a fake title, which we can then row back mm. and prove that it was stupid in the first mm. place. I think no one wants a better title more than Eon and Universal as a whole new era of studio relationships and distributor um, sort of marriages I think uh, I would imagine they've all hammered it out and it will it's not called hammered it out either um, <laughs> uh, and we'll hopefully be surprised in a week or two or three mm-hmm. uh-huh. so the other big news that broke this week was um, Danny Boyle went on the record for the first time about why he departed Bond 25 which to summarize, if you listen to this and you haven't read the news, was um, Eon wanted to bring either another writer or writers on board and maybe change some of the, the things that him and John Hodge came up with. And Danny said, well, we're a package deal. Take it or leave it. So they left. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, the, the the fact that that's a, a story is kind of surprising because um, when, uh, when Danny Boyle uh, uh, came on board, he – you know, he, he did it with John Hodge, and it was clearly a package that, that they presented to Eon. Um, the fact that he left because uh, Eon wanted um, to bring new writers in, for, you know, to spice it up and so on. Um, the I, I think um, both parties shouldn't have been surprised by the way that the other was working, uh, and uh, they, they they should have foreseen that before it happened. Both, so it, it's it's the fault of both sides, as far as I can see. Mm. When you hire like an auteur like Danny Boyle, is it? I yeah, I don't know how surprising it is when you say, "Oh, why don't you work with a different writer instead of your trusted companion of many films over the decades?" Um, yeah, I can't, I can't uh, grasp how they were surprised by the result of that. Mm. Mm. I, I, I mean, again, it's the, the whole story the guardian have got a, a good angle on it as well today it's it's the whole danny boyle thing you know with what was it, eight nine months ago that he um finally left the production it's an it, the fact that boyle has been discussed and it's all bouncing around still is a you know bond is still highly relevant i think personally 
I agree, Dave. That's a good point about what David said there about you know both sides knew the setup, but there is in slightly. I, I wouldn't say against Danny Boyle, but Danny Boyle has worked with other writers. You know, uh, Simon Beaufoy works with him as well. Uh, John Hodge hasn't worked on every one of his films. I get that if I was doing a Bond film, I would want my trusted collaborators with me. Um, but there, there will be more to this, and it doesn't need to come out. It's pro- you know, it's it's in, in in the past now, and it, it might come out. But there, there will be more to this, and it's a bit like you know when someone says creative differences. You, you know, you have to assume all sorts. And I, I think personally, I, I, we live in an era. I mean, look at the, the last three or four Star Wars movies. There's been four Star Wars movies, but seven different directors. And mm-hmm. it's happened quite, particularly with Solo, Star Wars story, it happened quite late into the shoot. And I would, you know, I, I imagine Eon are slightly looking over the Pinewood hedges and thinking, yeah, we don't want that. And if, te- you know, if, if creative relationships weren't, hitting the floor running, um, then it was probably better just to move on. And I actually think, um, apologies if you guys have talked about um, the replacement, but I actually think he's a spicier, cooler, more contemporary uh, choice. And a real, as I've said on my uh, various pages, he's a real curveball. So (laughs) I I think it's a really good thing. Um, Often in these situations, having to work with problems and 11th hour issues bring great creativity yeah we, we were talking about um creativity not, not quite in that context in uh, in one of the uh, two previous episodes and uh, mm-hmm. um mm. but about uh, but related to budget rather than um time constraints but it, it's it's exactly the same thing when when uh when you are forced to really get creative that's when the creativity really comes out hmm Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, Danny Boyle has also walked off productions before, big franchise productions, for whatever deep reasons, very different reasons. And I I love Danny Boyle. I I love what he represents. Um, And I thought it was a great British choice, a very natural British choice. But, uh, you know, he's in his early 60s now. uh, Kerry Fukunaga is in his early 40s. I want to see what a guy in his early 40s wants to do with Bond and how what his voice will be rather than perhaps the Danny Boyle uh, thing which could still happen one day you never know yeah, I, I, I was looking forward to, to seeing what Danny Boyle could do. Um, I, I, I have I liked some of his, his past work quite a lot, and uh, but um, when, uh, when when they re- replaced him, then uh, I I don't I don't know any uh, I haven't seen any films by Kari Fukunaga, but um, the the feedback I got from uh, from other people was that he, he's really really good. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, he's the first, again, this sort of 25th bomb film, he's the first of a new generation of directors. His uh, Beast of No Nation film in 2015 was one of the first, if not the first, Netflix original feature. And now, so now we've got this Bond director who's the first in this streaming different platform yes. age. And I, I think it's a real good thing. I, I think it's a real progression, uh, regardless of what he'll bring to it creatively. And post Daniel Craig, that may actually be an on ramp to other things. Yes, right? there's there's a deliberate. I can feel and sense a deliberate uh, casting of Bond twenty five. And I don't I don't just mean li- the literal actors, but uh, you know even the rumours and you know we can just we can debate and speculate. But I think you know it could be a, a younger Bond film. I think the film will be peppered with younger creative talent. Um, not to show up Daniel Craig or to make him look youthful, but just to tap into a, a different dynamic, a different dem- uh, uh, demographic, because we are in the Netflix era, uh, despite what Mr. Spielberg thinks. Right. Right. So um, speaking of new eras, um, it was in the tabloids that, you know, it might be an electric Aston Martin <laughs> in a film, which my favorite tweet for – the lot, I, I maybe my favorite tweet of the year so far was somebody tweeted us back saying, "Well, that's bollocks. He didn't drive electric cars in Fleming's books." a car, a potential car chase without engine sounds. <laughs> what do we think? Well, uh, that's that's already the trick. 
that, that's already interesting. And, and literally, if you can imagine the charge diminishing, you know, the dashboard is going, charge is low, charge is low, 0%. So suddenly Bond has to get a, uh, you know, a, a massive surge of power to keep going and, you know, drives through an electric what, current or something. I, I, The potential is great. I would be careful of going with it too much, but the potential is great if it was to be... And imagine when he reaches for the ejector seat switch and there's not enough juice in the battery for the uh, ejector seat to work. Or he's got to buy this time and go to the local shopping mall and try and coincide it and just sort of find an airport. Cause it's always airports that have like the, the bays of uh, electric charging vehicle things. Perhaps sort of you could like explain because I don't I don't know much about cars other than like how they look. I I'm not I don't drive um, anything like that. So what is the the problem with this? I mean, obviously it's you know fun to joke about it, but people online were getting quite outraged by it. So I was. Yeah. Yeah. It's the I mean, I, it's I, the petrol heads that get engaged because there's going to be no engine noise. You know. Yeah, and I, I think um, the the engine noise does really add to the the visceral appeal of, of cars. It's ah. really part of it. If you if you take that away, you know, you've just got this whooshing noise as it as it goes past, and, and it you, you don't get the same you don't get the same feeling of of uh, of really. Uh, no. Kind of something and alive. If you, <laughs> next, next time you watch Quantum of Solace, listen to the you know the foley for the hydrogen cars and that. It's just like this whee sound that they put in the background. <laughs> it's it's not the most adrenaline pumping sound effects to really get the pace of the chase going. But, right. You know, okay. you know what else? You know what else kills car chases? Being on the phone. <laughs> and, and cutting back to either M, Halle Berry, Money Penny, or somebody else. Yeah. Not yeah, that, that was that was inexcusable, really. Mm. So they've done it in a few recent films where it's, it's an mean, opportunity I, for exposition. Well, it's not exposition; it's a freaking car chase. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't mind the fact that the that they may they may use an electric Aston Martin at some point everyone's going to be driving electric cars so um, so the, it may not be this film but at some point uh, Bond is going to be an electric car if they're still making Bond films uh, so uh, it's yeah, it wasn't something that really uh, bothered me when the the news was out there. But I, I guess, yeah, if you're into that type of thing, it would sort of be akin to maybe, you know, Bond's not smoking cigarettes anymore or, uh, I don't know, something like that. I remember when Casino Royale was in production, there was these rumours in the tabloids that Craig couldn't drive a stick shift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, remember you know, that. Maybe, maybe he could come out and make a joke about it. Well, you know, we're in an automatic now because I can't drive cars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But on the other hand, um, electric cars have far better acceleration than, than petrol cars because uh, of the torque generated by, by the electric motor. So, um, you know, there are advantages to electric cars from that point of view as well. Car chasing an electric storm at night, you know, we could make, you know, that we could have a little bit of uh, sci fi fun. It could turn into Tron. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it will be set on the moon, Calvin. Yes, yeah, we'll really? <laughs> I'll just take in orbit. Like that's fine. Like we don't even need to go to another satellite or planet. I just want him in the atmosphere. And also, also if, even if it's true, and who knows? But it could. It's the context. Context is all in these things. I mean, what mm -hmm. if what if the villain was like an Elon Musk who's just fired a green car into space? And Bond, right. you know, that, that could be how an Aston Martin that's uh, electric powered is involved in the film. It, it's all about context. But the headlines, you know, are all, all always baiting slightly sort of 50 year old Bond fans that don't want any mm. change. And no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd actually want an electric Lotus. Let's do that. Mm. Let's go there. Mm. It would be nice to have something other than Aston Martin for a for a change. You know? I, I agree. I, I think Aston Martin's way overused now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think about the DB5? Do you think that'll be back? Sorry, this is a slightly different subject, but well, we're going to have I, an I, opening scene of of Madeline and James pulling up at the Reading services. Um, so, <laughs> and then in a cloud bit, of steam. Yeah, yeah, uh, covered in flowers. Um, no, 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 no. It's not happening. Um, yeah, and like going. Oh, we need. Is there an electric PowerPoint here? You know, sort of going into the uh, 
the, the M&S services going That's again. Right. Where can I and, charge and Blo- her? Yeah, and Blofeld has set up the, the charging point to electrocute her. The, you know, there's no <laughs> machine guns and stuff. She just gets electrocuted. <laughs> well, I hate to spoil it for everybody, but if there is an electric car in it, there will be no jokes or, or stunts about it being electric because when mm. – um, for Casino, when they flipped the Aston Martin with an air cannon, mm-hmm. Aston Martin were fucking furious that they barrel-rolled the car because it made their car look unsafe. Mm-hmm. And oh. there, was, there was a lot of PR back and forth about it during the run-up to the premiere about Aston maybe even pulling the cars out of the premiere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. About so electric so, Volvo? <laughs> <laughs> So if they do, it might just be one of those things that mm. it's just an electric Aston Martin and nothing's referenced and no, no advantage is taken of that. Yeah. And, and it has engine noise, so it doesn't sound like an electric one as well. Right. <laughs> yeah, they could, they, you could have different choices of, of uh, engine noise. It could be like, you know, like the TARDIS can change how it looks. So we could just have like an interface. You're like, Bond's going to put it. I'm going for 77 Spy Who Loved Me car sounds now. <laughs> <laughs> So the other the other news is that filming might actually be taking place like next week in Norway with probably second unit <gasps> doing some stuff with that set that all the Norwegian environmentalists are very angry about, but nobody is actually protesting. It's one of those, it's a good story, so we'll write it, even though there's nobody actually protesting. Yeah, I, the, 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 I mean, uh, uh, I haven't followed this this closely, but um, the, I mean, I, I live basically in the middle of nowhere with uh, forest around us and so on. And um, uh, if they started blowing stuff up just down the road, I think I'd get a bit pissed off. <laughs> so. they're, deep, they're deeply conscious of these things. I live near where they shot the Skyfall Lodge scenes. Um, in fact, ironically, Sam Mendes is back there literally right now shooting his new film, 1917. And they were so conscious of the environment there. And when you went back a month later, you could, you could see where, you know, things had been, but they, they didn't do much damage. And this was like rare Heathland as well. Uh, and it is such a faux pas to, you know, it's, it's a PR faux pas as well. Um, I imagine it's it like you guys say, it's a non-story, another non-story um, tapping into, yeah, Fear Eyes Only monks and all of that. I, um, yeah. I, yeah, even the way it was reported felt a bit, yeah. So who actually is annoyed here? No, no, personally, who is? It's, um, again, it's just to get Norway and Bond in headlines. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I'm here. I, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a sympathy strike, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, Calvin, you went to a pretty cool event at the weekend. Yes. You? Would you like to tell us all about it? Yeah, I did. I went to the uh, Cue the Music uh, James Bond Concert Spectacular. Uh, just looking at the program that I got now. Um, and it was basically um, a, like a James Bond series tribute band where they you know, cover all of the main songs bar one, um, and then do a little bit of incidental score music in between as well. Um, has anyone else seen them? Because I know they, they do tour around the UK. I, I haven't seen them. I, I haven't seen them because uh, I'm not very mm. often in the UK, uh, like, like, apart from premieres, actually. But um, I, I am in contact with, with Warren, who, who organizes it, and he sent, me, he sent me a CD and a DVD of their stuff, and, and they... Yeah, for, from that they they, they seem re- really really good. But um, I I just saw I saw you tweeted something about it. I, I think uh, just after the concert or, or something like that. And uh, uh, and then there was a load of uh, positive stuff from that. But then um, the, the I think it was the Times uh, reviewed the the concert and they said they were basically expecting it to be some you know um, second rate amateur. Uh, <laughs> orchestra with doing this stuff for fans and, and it was a, just a really really good night out so uh, oh yeah totally uh, I wasn't quite yeah. expecting that because I know like a lot of you know people in the fandom community have seen it already and sort of written reviews along those lines as well so I was sort of my expectations were sort of high anyway uh, but it was just a real fantastic night I mean there's I can't think of anywhere else where I could possibly see like into Miami, into Miami from Goldfinger performed live 
live on stage by a yeah. by a band. Yeah. I I, I, lo- I love that track. No, oh, it's brilliant. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Warren's done a really good job there. It's Warren Ringham, who's sort of it's his baby and his project. He, my yeah. God, that man knows his his well it's john barry's david arnold his marvin hamlish he knows it all and there's such a difference between i joke about it in catching bullets how um there's so many terrible best of bond uh cds out there that, that aren't original and it's it's usually the leap sync philharmonic destroying octopussy or from Russia <laughs> and, and warren and cue the music don't do that his the orchestrations particularly are so sort of album film savvy uh and unlike uh calvin said you know with into miami if if any guy can do wine with stacy in an a view to a kill medley or any <laughs> band rather and, and make it just he gets the annoyance and if he tweaks or reorchestrates he utterly gets it their um their online youtube version of flight into space from moonraker is just sublime and i, I was slightly annoyed i couldn't make the adelphi show because i've only heard good things Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was really great. Um, yeah, and Kerry Schultz, who is the uh, well, there's two vocalists, Kerry Schultz and Matt Walker, uh, and and they're phenomenal. Like Kerry Schultz, especially is like her "License to Kill," which "License to Kill" isn't even one of my favorite Bond songs, but when she did it, you know, like I think everyone was stood up, standing up like two or three times applauding. Like she was just hitting all the notes, and uh, even when it comes to like Adele and Sam Smith and stuff, you're sort of like listening to the song, and you're sort of like is she gonna hit it oh she's hitting it oh she's going beyond it oh wow she's actually like <laughs> improving on the original and, uh, yeah. and, and they made uh another way to die uh sound good so that's the highest praise i could possibly give them um, yeah uh, warren, warren emailed me and said that he, he listened to the uh first two episodes of this podcast so i uh, say oh, hi cool. warren Hi, right, Warren. Checks in the, checks yeah. in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice to meet him after the show, actually, because I'd never um, we've, been, we've been Facebook friends for a while, but never actually met up in person. Um, yeah, but it was just good to meet other people from the Bond fan community and who were there, like AJ Chowdhury from uh, some kind of hero. Um, he was there and had a nice chat with him. And I got to meet Madeline Smith as well, which was quite nice. So I think she she compares most of the uh, the shows. So if you go along, it's um, probably going to be her that's there. Mm. And she's just lovely. I don't know if you probably have met her before. Uh, but yeah. yeah, she was just sweet and charming and lovely. And I mentioned Theatre of Blood and she laughed. So I was pleased with that. <laughs> God, that's not the first time someone's mentioned that film in the last 24 hours in my life. I was, that's weird. Everyone, I was no way. I was at dinner the other night with um, some people, and uh, there was a long chat about Theatre of Blood. I thought I really should, should know this film. Anyway, that's, oh, it's great. It's tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Warren, if you're listening, I think doing an event around the premiere date of Bond 25 would be good in London, right? Mm. We can pull that off. Well, of course they're taking of- the whole band or orchestra up. Um, up the Gloria, as it were, uh, up uh, his Gloria for the 50th uh, celebration of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I, mm-hmm. that's, that will be quite a beautiful moment, I think. Dusk at Piz Gloria performed live at Dusk at Piz Gloria. You, know, is, uh, you, you won't right. get that often. Not often, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, are you going to that, Mark? Um, watch this space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm allergic up. to snow. No, I'm, no, I am <laughs> not sure yet. There's a few things in in place. We're gonna to, the follow up is gonna be three bottles of wine with Tanya Roberts. Well, <laughs> I, I played that at my wedding. That uh, track. I, I, in fact, when I realised I was going to actually get married, I uh, the first thing that crossed my mind is we need to get a violinist. We need to have strings. And then I suddenly remember my cousin's a very accomplished violinist. So uh, we had wine with Stacey um, as we were signing yes. our register. <laughs> were there any other Bond songs at the event? I, okay, I got married at Pinewood Studios. So I was sort of a bit conscious. I mean, it was stupid. It wasn't a Bond wedding. Everyone said, oh, it's going to be a Bond wedding. Went, no, it's not. It's not a Bond wedding. Um, and I, we did have nearly every song played throughout the day from from guests arriving to guests being stretched at home. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I made a point of not having all the original tracks because some of the uh, the remixes and the cover versions are equally great. Um, mm. Although I forgot how loud Pulp's All Time High was and we had that over the dining and it, <laughs> it goes really loud. And I was like, oh, shit. 
Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, we had sort of different Bond motifs, and including we had a big disco element, like literally like Studio Fifty Four was our theme in the evening in the ballroom there, and uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed playing the end credits Moonraker Bassy. Uh, very loud <laughs> volume with, uh, at Pinewood. That was a lovely little moment. I, Excellent. I remember seeing some of the uh, photos. I guess it was on, on Facebook uh, that you shared them. Mm. I reckon it was a Bond wedding. It was not. I mean, like, okay, yeah, there was different elements. We were getting photos outside the front of Pinewood in the main gates, like the official snaps. And um, I didn't see it, but someone said, oh, you missed Daniel Craig uh, drive past you. I was, like, so I was like, Daniel Craig just photobombed our fucking living pictures. Because um, uh, they were shooting Spectre at the time, and, and uh, the set was very much in place uh, there. But, um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a, a great day. But um, that's – sorry, I've, I've taken off tangent here, but it was uh, lots of Bond music, but trying to do it subtly. You didn't notice because he was driving an electric car and you didn't hear him go by. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Yeah, well, I was more worried about uh, our guests – straying because there was strict instructions do not let the guests stray and um i know of at least two people who did stray onto a star wars set um mm. i said that publicly i shouldn't have done it because we probably our wedding's null and void now <laughs> disney are going to come in and make the unmarried because i that's so, right yeah they'll, they'll just take a percentage that's yeah. what they do yeah 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 so the other news that we should wrap up on is mgm hired a new vp of basically product right to merch some of the franchises, you know, the ones that always get wheeled out, Rocky and the Pink Panther, you know, mm. culturally relevant. Um, and then on the end, it was, oh, and by the way, James Bond, um, which we all know is probably going to be the first thing that he actually goes after, uh, given there's a new movie in production. So that's two-part question. Um, what Bond merchandise has been good lately, if any, and what would you like to see? And then we'll, we'll talk about the games in a minute. Mm-hmm. So... Has anybody got any good official merchandise since, you know, let's say since Skyfall? Yeah, because this, this, was, um, this was my question because uh, I, I was trying to think of if there's, if there's anything that I'd actually want. And I don't think there is, you know, there's the, the um, oh, what are those bloody things called? The, the Funko Pop things. Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> And, uh, and no, the, nothing, the Lego. Says, nothing says fandom more than Funko Pops, do they? And I'm, I've got three looking at me right now, but I'm like, I think the Funko Pop moment has passed. Um, could be wrong. I remember when they uh, when they first announced that, and uh, uh, James and I on on Facebook right. we had a bit of a thing about it, and you, you suggested getting a, a can of petrol and uh, putting a match yes. to one. <laughs> yeah, it would be environmentally friendly. I would like to do like Mythbusters, like the best way to destroy Funko Pops, whether it's through, um, you know, melting them, burning them, putting them through a shredder, whatever. Will like, it blend? They're going to they're gonna leave this like environmental stain on the planet. You know, in like 30 years time, they're going to be like digging up landfills and there'll be Funko Pops in them. Yeah, there'll, be, there'll be whales washed up on the beach, unable to eat because they're full of Funko Pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin in his Ghostbusters clothes from Stranger Things is killing penguins in the Arctic. Well, you know, um, the the reason I kind of got a little bit mad about it was um, I I lived in Seattle at the time they announced this, and they were building a tunnel in Seattle that went under the city. And when they regraded the city uh, decades ago, they um, applied for people to provide, you know, ethical landfill. Um, And so they were digging up what they buried, you know, a few decades ago, and it turned out to be washing machines and Barbie dolls. That's what the city was built on. So some city somewhere is going to be built on the the bodies of Funko Pops, probably, Mm. when they Mm. try and find a hole to put them all in. (laughs) I always find with Bond merchandise, I don't get too excited by a lot of it because it's not really aimed at me, if that makes sense. It's aimed at... Why this sort? Maybe that's a good question mark. Who should it be aimed at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a net. Well, I like the bespoke stuff. I like the Belvedere and the, you know, like the, the 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 moleskin diaries. I like the stuff that's slightly in fitting with the lifestyle Bond accoutrements. Um, but I, I don't need to sort of have James Bond cupcakes um, or I'm sort of looking around my. A lounge here it's a james bond lampshade could we do that no um <laughs> uh it's there, there will be some tie-ins a lot that's a lot of that's been 
you know, getting all the licensing and the merchandise thing has uh, been one of the reasons the film wanted to take more time. Um, so I'm sure it's all going to start coming out. Uh, and I think the Lego thing, there might be more future there with the Lego. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I don't really object to the Lego as much as I do to the Funko Pops. I, I can't, I, I can't see the the point of the Funko Pops. And uh, mm. but you know, obviously, uh, it, uh, if I don't get it, that, that, uh, yeah, I feel the moment's passed. But I really, really wanted like a. Um, uh, Lego uh, computer game because I got quite obsessed by the Jurassic Park and the Star Wars ones because I, I love how playful and in keeping with the films they were. I thought, that, oh, they should do a Bond one. Um, yeah. Uh, and who knows? But I think that actually that moment's passed now. I, I don't want to speak of things that we shouldn't know about, but in, in short, Eon kids and guns never going to happen. No, yeah. exactly. Even if, it's a little, even if it's a little Lego plastic minifig with a gun, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and it's sort of like I don't know Vespa Vespa flavored condoms for the uh, you know, <laughs> for the eighteen year olds. Um, I'm just thinking about that. Now. No, uh, yeah, it's sort of what what, what can we do? I mean, the, the other thing I, I'd say that uh, I'm not all that keen on on 007 uh, branded stuff. You know, it's just um, you know, I, I, I see. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't mind wearing. A, I don't mind wearing a, a Sunspell polo shirt or, or you know, some an item of clothing, but I, I don't want a great big uh, 007 logo on it. I was very intrigued by those swim shorts that came out not too long ago, where I think they yeah. had like the Thunderball poster on them. Like they yeah. were some sort of. Uh... Do you want to do you want do you want to hear it? a funny story about that? Oh, go on. Those shorts weren't in Thunderball. Oh no 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 no! They had the they had like the Thunderball poster on them, didn't they? I might be. It was oh, the Connery yeah, no, one. Yeah. The Oliver Browns. They had four, uh, three or four uh, poster designs. They got quite. Some of the fans' reactions could was perhaps a, a bit less welcoming, but I actually thought they were quite classy. Um, and I would have gone there had they not been like the price it would take to fly to Jamaica to wear them. So. <laughs> but they're doing, well, they're, they're doing a second wave. Um, I keep trying to put my hand in the air going, I'll review a free pair of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Octopussy Speedos, if you've got any spare. Hey, Cal, you, you can do that on your YouTube channel as well, Calvin. I would yeah. love to. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely do that. If I could have Roger Moore on my swim shorts, then that's that's all fine. But but it is true that like often a lot of the official James Bond merch is just incredibly expensive uh, and kind of just beyond yeah what I think. I don't know if I, I suppose they try to maintain it as a luxurious item, um, but. Yeah, some of it's just a little bit too pricey. And this is coming from someone who spent money that probably should have been spent better on a golden gun prop replica. I, 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 um, I got an email from somebody who bought some of those shorts and they, they busted after a shortened amount of time. He said they were crap. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but did he buy the right size? That's always the thing. I, I didn't ask that, but it's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, in, uh, just going back to what James was saying about the um, was it those were Sunspell shorts, weren't they? That uh, yeah. So the story was that they they modelled the Sunspell shorts off a picture of Connery standing on a boat holding a flag in a book, and that isn't from that isn't a picture of him in Thunderbolt. Yeah. <laughs> so it, they look very similar, but apparently it wasn't the same. And I'm just looking at those those new ones, and I didn't realize they did a You Only Live Twice pair where they have little Nelly shooting rockets right where your manhood is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that that uh, was... It's a little on the nose. Uh, a bit, bit misplaced, yeah. Well, I you can well, actually go not. on all the brass... You, you, yeah, you can go on their site and you can put in your own image. It can be a picture of you on Brighton Pier or a, a, a selfie of your last meal. But um, I put on the cover of Catching Bullets, and I said, the, the, if anyone's familiar with the cover, it's uh, there's quite a phallic bullet yes. Um, yes. pressing towards a lady's mouth. And as soon as I put it away, like, oh my god, that's genius, but also highly offensive. Could you imagine just walking down a beach with that and like, forget, <laughs> and you'd forget as well as at least toddlers being pulled out of my way um, <laughs> but all about there's a new there's a second wave coming up i presume it's more swimwear and sort of summer wear but they did announce with a rather uh, glitzy cool motif last week that they're going to um there's a second wave of clothing coming um with bond possibly more of the poster shorts hmm. 
considering the wealth of amazing artwork that the franchise has had over the years, mm. I, you know, I'm with David. I'd rather have some key art or some element of an old poster design rather than just yes. the old 007 logo slapped yeah. on something. Yeah. I've got a great mug. This is one of the only 007 uh, items I can think of that I, I use regularly. Uh, you know, just a, a tea mug. It's It's got... Um, the cover of oh god i can't remember what book it is now why am i having this blank it's casino royale it, it's the it's one of the recent or the more recent the richie, paperback. The richie Fahey cover yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it, uh, I, I love that but um you know a lot of the other stuff just uh, isn't my thing at all yeah most of, i'm just looking at my shelves now and it's like most of the bond merch i have is just books really um yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I've got a, a ton of books, and um, I had so much. I've had to put. I've had to put a load in storage. I, I think you had that problem when you moved, didn't you, James? I had. Um, so I've got my. I've got a four hundred square foot home office, and two sides of it are just bookshelves for ceiling, and it's all bond. Mm. So yeah, I have a literal metric ton. I think <laughs> so, Bond books, and that's not the duplicates or the foreign language ones. Wow. <laughs> that's just the uh, well, there the English will one. there will be more. Yeah, I know. Uh, yes. I know of at least two um, coming up in the same uh, publishing house actually uh, in the summer. So there will be more. I, I, I yeah. do. I do feel that Eon. Well, I, I, yeah, Eon are going to really commemorate Daniel Craig's final Bond, and they're going to throw a lot of uh, sort of side. Uh, project things at it. Uh, yes, they'll want him to go out with a proper kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah, I, I went there. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, let's... like a game, for example. That would be nice. Uh, Lego yeah, Daniel Craig. Something. I can't say any more than that. No, I'm joking. I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's because uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. Where this is the first time that it's really been an actor's final Bond film. Mm. Um, and I think you guys were were sort of talking about that the other day, where this is his final hurrah, and I think possibly the film and uh, the supporting merchandise are really going to tap into that. Mm. So the, the, the other difference is um, when Craig took over the franchise, he said, oh, I'm a gamer, and I'll only be in the games if they're not crap. I think, <laughs> to paraphrase, I'll I've, dig out the interview in yeah, the links I've, below. I've but, not quite um, got into the games. I could never get past all the, the title songs. Well, the, the problem was, Mark. Nobody. The problem was, Mark. Nobody else did either. Yeah. And you know, I it closed, did. Damn it! It, it, it closed. It, it closed down a couple of studios, um, and then you know, Activision walked away. So this, this having this new guy who's head of interactive may mean that the Bond game license is back in play again. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why? Why not? I, I, yeah. I. I. My other half. We did Nightfire, um, and we couldn't get off that. There was a fucking six rocket dilemma, and we had to, got stuck and couldn't find the uh, the uh, cheat routes. Um, I, there's there's a Bond game and there's a Bond game. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, or well, not unfortunately, but fortunately, the best Bond game out there slightly revolutionised and changed gaming history. And that's Goldeneye, yes. and they've not yeah. uh, been able to quite sort of capture that moment but if, if i was doing it, i'd do a computer game that's very different almost like if you could structure your own bond movie and cast it but then that, I suppose that is what gaming can be about you create your avatars and go with it yeah, i was just going to say that the last game i can remember was the iphone one Oh, the world of espionage yeah yeah and i i, I downloaded that but it, it, it didn't seem to be even a game it was just uh, some a figure doing whatever it wanted on the screen as far as i could see it it, it was bizarre mm. i i jokingly called it james bond world of corbis stockart <laughs> and they were looking for lookalikes of mm. the famous characters so they had like old lady looking like judy dench in a white shirt playing him you know and so it was and, and to david's point that the the game was just click 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 to the next 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 and probably pay some money to download some extra card packs or whatever else they were doing but it was just dreadful um, I yeah i think they should do computer games that are based on the era of the film so like a view to kill one that's very spectrumy like one that did come out or um like i'm not a big gamer but um like do a, a from Russia of Love game that was is really clunky cogs. And, and just <laughs> well, try, they did, try of make course. it era. Yeah, try and make it era specific. 
<laughs> well, yeah, no, that, that would have been one way to go with it. And when EA had the license and they did do From Rush With Love, I think it was in like 2005 or something. Uh, I think a lot of fans got very excited at the prospect of that being a, a regular thing. Mm. I prefer it always when they go with an original idea and story. And they're always a bit derivative of whatever the closest film is. Like Nightfire is very much, you know, there's an Aston on ice and there's a satellite yeah. involved and all that kind of stuff. So because they, they always kind of want to tie it into whatever the latest film is going to be, but they, you know, the production, I guess, I mean, they might not have the, the shooting script. So development wise, it makes more sense to do your own original idea and then just have enough hints and similarities yeah. in the marketing mm, mm, mm. Um, to market it that way. But it's, it's astonishing to think that it's been like 2012 when 007 Legends was the last time there was an official Bond game, not including that smartphone game. And yeah. that that's like, what, seven years now? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that 007 Legends was not well received and did uh, bankrupt Eurocom, <laughs> which is uh, uh, which is a shame. Um, and I was at the, um, the launch that they did in uh, uh, BAFTA yeah. and uh, there was a guy, he was from Eurocom and I remember him doing this presentation and um, he he just he just looked kind of sad and a bit disgruntled and i was just sort of wondering i wonder why he's not happier than he's releasing this game and then of course next month his company went under so yes just like that. bizarre creations before him right that was the previous mm -hmm. one so yeah. you know whilst you know, this is all past history so we can kind of talk about it in the early 2000s we actually consulted with ea on the games oh. and we were asked to come up with a treatment for a roger moore retro game which would be set between and we've set it in 1978 between the spy love me and moon raker so we could take advantage of things like the lotus and stuff in the gameplay oh. and roger was approached about it and he was all for it and then as a hail mary pass somebody at ea contacted connery's agent and said look we'll pay you a million bucks to voice and use your voice and likeness mm. in any game. What do you want to do? And he came back and said, I'll only do it if it's from Russia with love. Oh, wow. Mm. Blimey. So then, know you know, mm. then they had to go, crap, we have to make a game out of the late, the least gamey film <laughs> era. But they did it. You know, they managed to do something out of it. And then, of course, the Roger Project got put on hold. The EA went away and it never happened. But, mm. uh, maybe another so podcast think, will explain think... the story. Oh, I'd love to hear that, yeah. Do, do you think Connery uh, did that on purpose? He, he's such a gamer, he thought, which film is uh, is going to be the least uh, translatable to gaming format? <laughs> well, I'll take the money and that's it. Screw them. Right. Right. <laughs> Bloody cubby <Yeah>. broccoli. <laughs> I know Bruce, uh, Bruce Feirstein's a sort of LA friend, and he... Uh, he obviously came back and developed a lot of those uh, mm. stories, and he had a really good time doing it. And they they really invested a lot of creativity into it. I, I don't, I've I've barely looked at them. I don't know what they're like. I'm not. I'm the least gamer, gamey, gamey type person in the world. So uh, I, I still get confused by Donkey Kong. So, um, uh, but yeah, the, it was. A, I think Eon slightly creatively enjoyed the process of doing it. It enabled them to test other ideas and other avenues as well. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, no. I mean, some of them are like really. I think the problem is that um, GoldenEye 007, the N64 version, is the only Bond game that was like revolutionary mm, yes. um, in, in terms of gaming. Like all the other ones that followed were kind of still quite solid games. But I guess if you're not an aficionado of the series, I don't know what there is there for you, really. Um, I, I don't know how many non Bond fans played Bloodstone on the PlayStation 3, mm. for example. Mm, mm. Right. Mm. That was the beginning of the end. Uh, I know. Sadly, I, I played it. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. like it. It was great. Uh, it, yeah, and they they also had the you know mysterious organization that was bigger than all of them, and at the end, right, it was yeah tipping the hat a little bit to what was to come. But um, yeah, yeah, and then after that, back, of course, it, makes it was more just sense. GoldenEye remakes. Uh, yeah. I think that's it, just souring the brand with continual sort of references to Goldeneye. I'll tell you a funny story. When they were working on pre previs on Goldeneye Rogue Agent, or as you know, as it was jokingly called Rouge Agent because there's a typo in the first press release. <laughs> um, when when they told us what was coming down the pipe, 
uh, we were on a we had a meeting with them, and they're like, "For Christ's sake, don't give the guy an eye made of gold, please." Oh God! And there was an awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the plan was. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a well, few they're missteps. All, yeah, they're, they're often a bit off as party bond. That's what that's my phrase for things that are like what non-bond fans think bond is, and that mm. often, that often seeps into a lot of uh, sort of uh, products. Not usually not not the official ones. Mm. Yeah, and when when they when EA brought their last game out, they actually had a, a survey. Um, they paid a consultant company to survey the, the wider gaming audience, and one of the questions in there was, "Is James Bond relevant anymore?" And the answer, overwhelmingly, for games was no. <laughs> oh. And that press release made its way out, and then was quickly withdrawn, and clawed back. But the damage was done, and that was them out. Mm. So. I don't know, Calvin. You're you're in, you're more of a gamer. What studios or publishers do you think would be a good fit? for doing Oof. something um well I'm, I'm more of a nintendo fanboy personally mm-hmm. but uh so I, I don't think that they'd have it in them to produce a, a the kind of bond game that i would want uh have any of you played the hitmen the hitman series of yes. games because yep. i played that very recently and that just stuck out as like i mean there was one of the one of the demo levels was like you have to trick a guy to sitting in a fighter jet and then eject him from it a la tomorrow never dies and i know that there are plenty of other bond references in there that i've heard of so whatever the studio is that do that I'm, i don't have the name in front of me but that kind of thing where it is perhaps a bit more stealthy and less just going in all guns blazing but making it interesting would be the way to go i think Mark's idea of a retro game on the Switch would be pretty cool. Mm. Or a, a collection of all the games. Yeah. You know, that, in that sort of Atari, nostalgic, here's 20 games. Pixel Art, Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's, I mean, that whole E.T. Uh, Atari game and the, the, uh, the history and the fake history and the mythology of it. Uh, yeah, why not just do a real horrible, chunky 1982 octopusy where he's chasing the train and it's <laughs> all of that. Well, the, the first the first computer games I used to play uh, were on the ZX Spectrum, so mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a great idea to to start providing games on a cassette tape. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring it. Yeah, bring it back. Well, they did leave you to kill one on the Spectrum. I remember, and if you look at any of the graphics online of that, it's like, whoa, wow, okay, it's, yeah. it's so eighty five. It's brilliant. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so, guys, I think that wraps up the news. Unless anybody else has got. Any other bits and pieces? Nope. No, there's a raffle on Tuesday. If, if everyone buys that's a- right. No, no. Any other messages? Um, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so I, I think that's a good session. Well, there is. There's the Red yeah. Nose Day thingy, isn't there? Which people can check out on Twitter. And oh, BBC yes. For yeah, of course. 125. So there literally is a raffle, Mark. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> With £10 a ticket, all, all for a good cause. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So... Um, where can everybody find you online? I will go with uh, Calvin Markham and David. Hey, uh, you can find me just by typing in Calvin Dyson on YouTube uh, and just on Google, actually. Just go to Google and you'll find my Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm on, um, well, I'm in all the various social media corridors. Uh, MarcoCoddle.co.uk is my sort of web HQ. But if you put in ca- hashtag catching bullets on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you'll easily find me and my uh, Bond menagerie of fun and you can find me at thejamesbonddossier.com or on Twitter it's 007dossier uh, I'm pretty active there alright guys and from MI6 where you can find us at mi6-hq.com and our tendrils extend from there thanks very much guys and we'll catch you next time thank you alright cheers <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs>